I'm a white male Anglo Australian in a well-paying job in a large organisation. And on I guess closer to the home front, my wife and I have two sets of very active grandparents for our girls. So we have more or less an idyllic scenario for us to make this work. So I'm very cognizant whenever I'm speaking about these things that I'm not coming from a position where I've had to battle and fight and scrape my way through to come up with these arrangements. What I have resolved myself to do is be an advocate as much as I can, both through things such as this, but also within the the workplace I'm in as someone who's a manager and provides some career guidance to our, our people to be a support and a guide through that period of their lives when they're making some really big decisions about what they're keeping in the air. If you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Lilovich, and me, Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies and advice to help you keep your balls in the air. Welcome to the Juggle Podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Joel Lilovich. And Lucy Dickens. Welcome back to the Juggle Podcast. And happy Father's Day for Yay. those of you who are fathers. Yeah. Or those of you who are single parenting and feel like you're both mother and father, I hope you get to celebrate this weekend doing something nice. We have a chaos week of Father's Day week. Not only is there special days at pre-primary where Evan has to go in and hang out, then there's also a Father's Day soccer match breakfast. Wow. So they have to get to school at like 7 o'clock and, you know, all celebrate together. So this is what we need then. Obviously, when you have activities, then Father's Day and Mother's Day can't be forgotten because this year, sounds like it sounds like I'm deeply hurt by this, Jack <laughs> forgot about Mother's Day, so I'm oh, still deciding no. whether or not Father's Day is a thing in our family. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's difficult because when your kids are little, they don't know, whereas once they hit yeah. school, the schools do everything. So they make sure that there's some sort of card or activity or something like that. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I don't really care. Yeah. I'm not that <laughs> I'm not that faced. But Father's Day, yeah, I'm not sure what we'll be doing. It will probably involve a picnic at the park. That's usually what we do for these kinds of things, which will be fun. So yeah. in the spirit of Father's Day, we have invited a father to join us on the podcast. Yeah, I guess today is Patrick Gardner. He's a director of Deloitte Consulting. He started out as accountant before the move into management consulting. He tried a few things, such as a side gig as a local government counsellor, but his work now mainly involves working with the public sector and healthcare clients. Two of his huge passions are exploring the impact of disruptive technology on existing business models and also being a heavily involved dad with his two daughters. And for him, that's involved taking parental leave with each of the kids and also working flexibly to spend some time with his children and support his wife in her career, which is also a very demanding one. Our interview with Patrick is a typical juggler-style interview, so we ask him all the questions that you would expect us to ask of anybody who's juggling their work and family. But it's nice to get a different perspective from a dad and to hear how he feels about the stigma or the stereotype that comes from taking time out of his career to spend with his children. And we also have a little bit of a discussion about the chaos of life which is quite funny because the day we recorded this episode, Lucy and I both had massively chaotic mornings and were busily texting each other to say, are you ready? Oh my goodness, it's gone crazy here today. Uh, I'm not sure we're going to make it in time for the interviews. (laughs) 
So Patrick basically joined in on the honesty that is the chaos of raising young children, especially in the morning, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The mornings, especially Monday mornings, can can really trigger a lot of deep breaths, as someone said to me <laughs> this morning, take deep breaths and exhale audibly. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what we need. So enjoy the interview. Hello, Patrick. Hello. Good morning. How are you both? Chaos has been the word to describe both of our mornings. I'm going to be honest about that. But otherwise, good. We're calm now. We're both all nice and relaxed. So, yeah. And I have a sleeping baby and we're good. <laughs> How are you, Patrick? Having said that, I don't know why we choose to record on Monday mornings. It does tend to be our recording day, but it's usually not a good idea after a weekend. But yeah, what time did you start your day today? How did your day kick off? Look, I've been, um, I think it might have been a combination of the winter sun over the weekend and getting back for some, from some leave a couple of weeks ago. I, I struggled to get out of bed this morning. Yeah. We were a bit, we we're a bit lazy getting up. Kids are up and going. One of our kids has conjunctivitis, which is one of those, oh. one of those things that you mutter under your breath in front of a pharmacist and hope no one else hears, but it happens to everyone. So that was a bit of a, a drama getting the drops in, but she's okay. Mm, yeah. <laughs> On the back of that, I love the episode regarding the things that we don't talk about and all oh. the all the stuff that's a bit of a grind. I don't I don't think we pay enough attention to that as a society. And it's it's okay to not embrace and absolutely be enthralled with every every minute of parenting and the juggle of a household. Yeah. Yeah, like conjunctivitis and yeah. like my morning today. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What does a typical day look like for you then? Look, we, so my wife and I are relatively routine oriented people. So it's fairly standard. Weekday will be, we'll be up and going, say 6.30. We'll have the, the school lunches ready to go. And that's generally something I take care of while my wife gets our, our two daughters through breakfast. Divide and conquer. Yeah, exactly. We don't have a list or a, a checklist. I, I think there's a few of them running around in our, in our brains um, to get things moving along. But yeah, in all honesty, it's a bit of a scramble. It's hard to really take a breath in probably that hour, hour 15 between when you wake up, open your eyes and, and rustle the kids out of bed and then get out the door, which is probably a real shame because it's the magic part of the day. But we, we tend to just be bunkered down and <laughs> be sprinting for the door. It's kind of like a bookend because the morning can feel a bit like that. And then the bedtime routine can sometimes feel a bit like that too. Routine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've been talking, Lucy and I, about this idea of getting up before the kids, if it's possible to get up that early, to have some of that magic morning time before you descend into the organisation of the day. So it sounds like between you and your wife, you're kind of doing that morning juggle both together, splitting the load as it hits you. Is that is that right? Or do you have some mornings where it's definitely like, no, I've got to be off to work or she's got to be off to work? We try and deliberately manage the calendars so that we're not booking in 6.30am stuff. You know, occasionally my wife will get to the gym and I I guess there'll be weeks and days where depending on who you ask, one of us will do more than the other, but that's fine. That's life. That's all part of the challenge of having a double income household, which is the commonplace arrangement everyone's got these days. Now, before we hit record, you started to talk to us about the stereotype that comes with being a well, these are my words, not yours, but the stereotype that comes with being hands-on involved in the parenting of your children when you're a father. What kind of reaction have you experienced in your own life from the way that you prioritise your family, I suppose? Some of that reaction is probably one that I've 
read too much into it at times. When our eldest daughter was born, so that's seven and a half years ago, my wife and I sat down and we thought, right, what's going to make this work over the coming months and, and the coming year so that we can both continue our careers, maintain sanity, enjoy um, <laughs> enjoy that blissful time with a newborn, which unfortunately you only look back on and realise how much more you should have made of it. And I decided, right, I'm going to take some time off. Deloitte, my employer at the time, sorry, still my employer, but they had a fantastic parental leave policy. So I think I took near on four months um, off when, when our daughter was six months old. So the first thing I noticed is just how rare at the time it was for a father, a male to be walking down the local cafe, grabbing a morning coffee with the pram, coming into mother's groups as, as a father mm-hmm. and all the really little things, you know, down the playground during work hours, walking around the park, the dog, just noticing individual reactions and just body language. And I guess a bit of surprise, a father taking that amount of time off. But what I did find is with our second, who's um, now turned four. So I, I went through the same process, took the, the same amount of time off. And what I realised is those reactions and, and I guess some of the my read of, of those attitudes had softened. And now that I, um, I don't think we'll be going for number three, but if we did, it's interesting around the, the workplace I'm in at the moment. I think my male colleagues who don't have children, they almost see it as a it's a necessary step that, that if they had children that they'd be looking to take advantage, for, for lack of a better word, they'd be looking to take advantage of that policy and take a really meaningful amount of time to connect with their newborn. So what was it that effectively gave you the prompt at the end? You've, you've mentioned the generous policy and you've mentioned a, a chat with your wife. Which one was the biggest kind of key or what was the biggest key that kind of made you go, yeah, I'm going to do this? That actually stems from my father, who was probably about 36 when he decided to start his own business, work from home. And I guess growing up, I was acutely aware of this unusual scenario where dad was frenetic with with building his own business but he'd be at the footy training he'd be involved in coaching footy training and 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 all that I mean that's stereotypical male thing but he was very much around and involved and I I was very resolute before we decided to have children and then through the process of, of planning for that and then as much as humanly possible while we've raised our two girls to be very present. So when something like paid parental leave policy was available, I just thought, well, what a fantastic opportunity to connect with our daughters. It's made our bond very special. And I'm acutely aware of the fact that I'm in a privileged situation. I'm at a, a company and a large employer which can allow that type of flexibility and build it into their business model. But while it was there for, for me to access, I, I certainly wasn't going to let that go to waste. Did you have any concerns about what effect that would have on your career? Yeah, I think I did. I mean, that's a, it's a sizable amount of time out of mm. consultancy practice. We try to be as long-term in our thinking as, as much as possible, but the reality is business plans, career plans are built around one-year cycles. So taking the best part of half of that away from the office, yeah, there's no doubt some nervous thoughts about what happens if or what if this person steps in and sort of takes a space. But I think when you balance that up with that 
ability to actually connect in a really meaningful way with your own children from a really early age like that's been the key the little bonding routines and and norms that we've been able to build with our two girls there's no way I could have done that if you're out the door as you said with that scramble in the morning and then back into the bedtime routine and and maybe reading a book to them uh, before they go to bed it's just chalk and cheese. So when you were ready to come back to work, I mean, obviously for you, it was just a set four-month period. So it wasn't like some women experience where they're like, oh, maybe I'll extend or maybe I'll shorten it. For you, it was more set. Did you have the discussion about what it was going to look like when you came back before you left or when you were on leave, did you think about not coming back in the same way? How did you decide what to do and how to be flexible? So the partner I've worked with for a long period of time that's overseen a lot of the discussions about raising our family and what those arrangements are going to look like. He was very much of the mind, you know, don't overcommit. I don't feel like you need to make any of those decisions before it happens. So he has children of of his own and I think was in that position to just advise, look, soak up the present and just disconnect from the office. We'll discuss that when you're back. And for me, coming back after those stints of parental leave, Certainly with our eldest, the most obvious thing that I wanted to do was ensure there was still a continued touch point through the week where I could be away from the office and have that ability to be the at-home parent. And now that originally was a day a week. I've still managed to maintain that, certainly while our youngest is three days a, a week at kindy. And what I'll probably look to do is is actually continue that. But yeah, the lesson from that is look, just be as, as open as you can with your employer as, as early as possible. Ensure that you're speaking to someone who is going to be empathetic of that arrangement and you don't overcommit. Don't make promises to yourself that you don't know whether you'll be able to keep or you don't know whether they'll be realistic in three, four, six months' time. It's hard to compare because obviously you've always been at Deloitte, but do you think that having that kind of support and that kind of empathy from your managers has helped you both with the transition in terms of returning from or have it going on and returning from parental leave but has it made you more committed to the place that you work yeah fundamentally I don't have a quantified example of that but I can definitely feel that there is a far stronger loyalty to the organization because of that more empathetic approach to working parents and I think the the reality that our working parents myself included are in dual income households it is it's a manic period of your life Um, and I'm probably at the very starting blocks in comparison to what that's going to look like. Mm. Um, But I think as soon as we start to acknowledge that as individuals, as managers who perhaps have more control over directing some of our colleagues and and peers through that process and then as organisations and as, as a society, the sooner we just come to grips with the fact that we need to be far kinder to ourselves through that period of our life, you know, that the better parents we're going to be, naturally the better you're going to be for your employer because you're more settled, you're more at ease with the arrangements you've put in place. I'm sure there's a few Hilda type studies that are uh, in the mix for, for the coming years. This episode is brought to you by us, Managing the Juggle. We want to ensure more women feel like they're living the dream of a successful career and a fulfilling family life. If this message resonates with you, then get in touch to find out how we can be booked to speak at your next event or conference or in-house with your organisation. For more information, visit our website and go to the link 
www.thejuggle.com.au forward slash speak. A friend of mine talks about the fact that between the ages of 30 and 50, they're the most chaotic times of your life. So I think that we should all keep that in mind because, it, you know, typically it's when we've got those young kids and we're racing around and doing school and everything else. Yeah. You've talked about some of the perhaps bias that you might experience at work from your senior partners or colleagues in terms of people having a look at it. And you've sort of suggested that you haven't really experienced that. But what about with clients? You know, as a management consultant and, you know, Mm -hmm. us as lawyers, we're used to dealing with situations where we're always hearing from people, oh, I can't put anything on my email sign-off to say that I only work three days a week because if I do that, then people won't want to see me because they'll think I'm unavailable and all that. So with you working a day from home, how do you choose to deal with that with your clients and get over those kind of issues or do you not face them? the question. I'll make a comment and then move to the question. So I should just say from the outset, I'm a white male Anglo (laughs) Australian in a well-paying job in a large organisation. And I'm, I guess, closer to the home front. My wife and I have two sets of very active grandparents for for our girls. So we have more or less an idyllic scenario for us to make this work. So I'm I'm very cognizant whenever I'm speaking about these things that I'm not coming from a position where I've had to battle and fight and scrape my way through to come up with these these arrangements. What I have resolved myself to do is be an advocate as much as I can both through things such as this, but also within the the workplace I'm in as someone who's a manager and provide some career guidance to our, our people to be be a support and, I guess, a guide through that period of their lives when they're making some really big decisions about what they're, they're keeping in the air. In terms of the question, one of the first things I always try and do is, is be as upfront with my clients and the relevant stakeholders around various projects that we're working on um, upfront as, as possible. So, they know the arrangement that is in place for me. I'll have an out-of-office on, but I very much say to them, and it's included in that out-of-office, if there's anything urgent, feel free to contact me. Occasionally, they do. Very, very rare, though. And the nature of my work means that people don't live and die by what I do, probably very fortunately for them. <laughs> but uh, they can always get back to me the, the next day. And if there was a, a real life genuine crisis, then by all means, they can, they can get in touch. I'm probably my own worst enemy when it comes to actually switching off. So I will check and flick through a few emails through the course of that Thursday. That's fine. I'll, I'll play a bit of catch up on Thursday night. And that's just what works for me. I, I like to, to ensure that I've got as much of a clean, clean slate as possible coming in on the Friday. I get the sense that there's more of a stigma as opposed to a reality around clients expressing those points of view. I think that would have been the case when we had our first child, so seven, seven and a half years ago. I do genuinely feel from our organisation and with the client base we're working with, there there is less of that attitude and a very minimal amount of that attitude that's actually likely to rear its head in conversation. In fact, I know of a number of circumstances where those opinions have been raised directly and it's been very firmly walked back by the client management or our, or our partners because they understand the value of our people. And the, as I said, the reality of our work means that 
it doesn't rest on one person being in there 24 seven. There's, there's always a way to get these things done. It's really nice to hear that. And once again, you can hear that culture and that support from your team that's coming through there in, in the way that you work. I wonder if it also depends on who your clients are. I'm dealing with, I call them everyday people as opposed to business. You know, we're working directly with consumers, with families. And so I find the more open I am about my family, the more they actually can relate to me. So if I say I'm not in because I'm, I'm not working tomorrow, it's okay. But if I say I'm not in because I'm with my children tomorrow, they're like, ah, oh, yeah, I have children too. And I can connect with that. But I do think it depends who you're dealing with. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think with any of those scenarios, it's just the open conversation as, as early as possible that builds, I guess, a level of trust and empathy. And then from there, I think it's a much easier environment to navigate. So taking you back, you mentioned Hilda and we wanted to talk about that. So that Hilda, for anyone who doesn't know, and I had to remind myself what it stood for as well, is the Household Income and Labor Dynamics in Australia survey that gets done. And it's interesting. They, they, you know, they publish some interesting statistics. So is that something that you kind of spend a bit of time looking at, Patrick? Are you kind of wanting to see what the averages are and make sure that you're better than average? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's really, um, if I answer that, that's going to be very dangerous. It's either going to be very (laughs) self-deprecating or uh, painting myself as some sort of saint, which my wife will be She'll be on the next episode talking me back from that. Um, (laughs) Yes, let's go there. What would your wife say? Well, as we talked about, I think we have the natural heat in the relationship that I think every couple has when they've they've got two young girls. They're trying to get out the door and get to bed and get fed and changed (laughs) and and all of that. So it'll depend on the day that you're asking her, I think. Um, Yeah. yeah. Because she's got a very demanding role. Working in government is, is not an easy thing. So Not at all. I mean, she's been in for a couple of years as a, a lower house member of parliament. So I think she's becoming more adept at, at managing the, the ebbs and flows of that as each year goes by. But it's an interesting role because you have a very public, very large job interview every four years. Yes, yes. (laughs) You know, the thing that interests me most, you know, the Hilda studies cover a lot of different things. Effectively, you know, how much housework are men doing and and all of those things. But I don't know that they can measure things like mental load. Is that something that pops up in your family? Do you talk about the mental load? Because I think there's a lot of people out there who've, while it's becoming a more common expression, I think there's a lot of people out there who don't know the expression or they don't comprehend what it actually means. Yeah. So, I mean, I love a stat as much as any um, good management wannabe consultant. chartered yeah. accountant, <laughs> management consultant would. But the aspect of that study that really appealed to me was it was actually a short paper that one of the um, the federal departments produced. And they, they showed this graph of the housework, child rearing time and paid work that was undertaken on average. Mm-hmm. across Australian families by males and then females. So I think it was males to the, the left, females to the right. The males with this lovely, consistent horizontal line or three horizontal lines by yeah. and large over the time their child was born through to 18 years of age. So there was this slight little blip in the newborn years. But for females, again, on average across Australia, a very representative, high-level representative um, view it will look like chaos. And I think that's the reality of what historically has been the the balance of the child rearing, the housework. If that female is, that average female is is looking to manage a career on top of that, I mean, 
it's just so much harder. There's no possible way you can think that those responsibilities on average are, are shared. So the mental load, it's something that my wife and I have talked about. Actually, quite recently, we were having a discussion about, I think we both had a, a big week and we were just commenting on how frazzled we were and how short our respective fuses were with the several thousand questions from our, our daughters on a day-to-day basis or you know, what type of bread they'd like in their lunch. All really little things. and I feel you. I'm in the why stage. Why? why? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't ever wake up and think, oh, I'm going to be a monster of a, a parent today. But, you know, you, you have those days and often they're triggered by the fact that you've got this physical labour to get done and, and you've got to get into work and be respectable enough to your clients to get through and, and the people you work with. But then you've got to manage everything on the, the home front where we're probably germaphobes. So the house is usually pretty tidy. But if that takes till, gosh, in reality, might take till 8.30, 9 o'clock at night before we actually sit down, you can completely understand why, yeah, people are just absolutely worn out by, yeah. by the end of a week. Anyway, the reason I talked about that mental load was the Hilda um, study and that graph that we've actually got pinned to our fridge, I think just rams <laughs> home the point that, there's no conceivable way in my mind that you'll have a quality in a, a workplace if you don't have a quality in terms of the roles, responsibilities and the share at home. I can't see that being conceivable. I just love that you've got that on your fridge. That's really cool. And I love that you've just been so honest in all the things you've said to us in this episode. And I love how many times you've mentioned chaos. And I think that needs to make its way into the title of the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. That's awesome. <laughs> a lot of this comes down to, on a, I suppose, a, a more personal level, is the kind of example that you're showing to your daughters. And you've mentioned that a lot of the values that you have are because of the way you've been raised. You know, you so your dad was very active in your upbringing. Do you think about that? Is that top of your mind when you pin this chart on the bridge and say, you know, this is an issue. We're going to need to address this. And how are we going to do that starting with our family? Again, depending on who you ask, I mean, that might be on our fridge to be, um, you know, just who completely. Put who, yeah, who put it on the fridge? Exactly <laughs> oh, no, it was, it was me. I'm, you know, 110% sanctimonious about that sort of thing. Um, no, I thought it was very apt with a conversation, a long running conversation that my wife and I had been having. And It is up there in part because I want to set the example, both my wife and I want to set an example to our girls that you have to share the load in in whatever relationship you're in, whether you're a a child in the family, whether you're the sole breadwinner, whether you're managing on the home front as a single parent, you all have a role to play and it shouldn't be down to one person or a, a minority of people in that holistic relationship to share the mental responsibility for getting that all done because it's all work at the end of the day. It's all time in a day that is chewed up, um, whether it's billing your clients or managing the admin or um, getting the, the third set of sheets on for the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember those days. Okay. So what words do you live by to get you through all of this chaos, Patrick? First word that comes to mind is honesty. So as early as possible, I think it's really important with whatever conversations you're having to speak very honestly about how you're feeling, what you're perceiving, what you want, whether that's discussing arrangements with your employer, 
more importantly, whether that's discussing the arrangements you've got in place at home with your spouse or your partner. So honesty would be the first one. And and then the other one that comes to mind is empathy. Again, I'm speaking today from a very privileged position. I'm not making any bones about that. There's no way you could read my LinkedIn profile and think, oh God, this guy's just, a, he's another white male, he's got it all. What would he know about how to scrap their way through the first decade of having kids in the house? But what I can do from that perspective is be as much of an advocate and an empathetic colleague to be around through those those really tough years. You know, the, the first couple of years, as, as you talked about a couple of episodes, when you've got young kids, potentially a, a couple of young kids running around the house, it's a grind. And I don't think we're quick enough and we're not open enough as a society to actually talk about that yet. I think that's coming, but I think everything's very sugar sweet and Instagrammable um, <laughs> and, and yeah. you celebrate the, the highs. But and it's not to say that you know you need to be posting about every every bedwetting episode or or every <laughs> <laughs> every accident from your dog inside the living room or something. But um, I think we just need to to show much more empathy to those that are that have got a lot of balls in the air. You mentioned this position of privilege and that you're trying to use it to change things, at least in your workplace and your family. What's the advice that you give to the people that you mentor in the workplace? So what would you tell other professionals who are trying to manage this juggle? I think the first thing is to be really resolute about what they see as the ideal arrangement for them, whether it's Mm -hmm. changes to their their working week, so whether they have a day at home or days at home or perhaps a half day here or there, or they're going to be late on a particular set of days because they've got drop-offs or pick-ups. And really you work back from there. So it should never be an equation that starts out as someone thinking, oh, how am I going to squeeze a particular number of billable units or hours into the week? And then my family life is sort of spackfilled in against the the remaining gaps in the day because that's just a recipe for disaster on on both fronts. It's not fair fair to anyone. So really it is just about that ability for an employee and they need to be having that conversation with their with their family about what works for them and then and then you work back from there. We totally agree. Work out what's important first and then go from that. Yeah. Because your two year old will be two for a year. Your career is going to be and probably multiple careers that you're going to have over your, the course of your working life. Each of those are going to be a lot, lot longer than that. And one of those things is finer and the other's not. Absolutely. Thank you for giving us your time and hopefully you can now switch modes and get back into work mode. <laughs> we'll see. It's a nice day outside. I don't know. It is a lovely day outside. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, I really enjoyed that. That was good fun. Thank you for listening. If you happen to be listening to us on Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you can hit subscribe if you haven't already and leave us a rating and review because it really helps other people find out about our show and we love to get the feedback to hear what you enjoy. And if you want to come and share with us something about what your partner is doing in your relationship to help you manage this juggle, then come and join us in our Facebook group at The Juggle Community over in Facebook. All the links are on our website, which is thejuggle.com.au. See you next time. Happy juggling.